everyone. Like I said earlier, I'm glad you're here and you are going to receive a word from the Lord today that is going to strengthen you. It's going to encourage you. It's going to equip you. And I'm so delighted and glad that you're here. And for those who join us online, we want you to engage with us. Put something in the comment section, something that ministers to you and touches your heart. And uh, people who are going to watch this because you're going to share it, they're going to be like, man, that is so awesome. It's so awesome. All right. At this church, we use the Bible. Amen. Is that okay? Praise God. Praise God. Teens, if you haven't been dismissed yet, you're free to go, teens, to your time of ministry with uh, Minister Blaine and children. You can go as well. Typically, they take off before I even tell them, so I thought they already left. Amen. Praise God. Father, bless our teens as they hear from you, Lord. We thank you that they are becoming students of the word, students of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, at this church, we use the Bible. Not every church uses the Bible. So are you glad that you're in a Bible-believing fellowship of Believers who trust that this is the word of God and they want to open up the word and see what God has for us. Every single time you open up the scriptures, they are the very words of God. And so today, if you are taking notes, I want to encourage you uh, with the title, Strong, Confident Leader. Strong, Confident leader. That is what God is raising up and developing in these last hour. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. I want to let you down a secret that every sermon should be about Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Every message should be about Jesus. That's when you know you can trust the source. That when we speak about Jesus. So in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. When we speak of confident leaders. We must go to number one. The goat as you can say. The greatest of all times. Is Jesus Christ. And so in Hebrews 13 verse 8 it says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me read that again. Jesus Christ is the same what? Yesterday and today and forever. Father, we thank you for that. We honor you and we praise you. We now thank you that we look into your word. Give us revelation. Give us insight. Into all that you are doing in Jesus name. Amen. The Bible is clear when the word of God says. That my house should be a house of prayer. Jesus is the one that said that. My house should be a house of prayer. And he says for all nations. That every ethnic group. Every tongue. Should be able to enter into the house of the Lord. And at that time it was the temple. It was in Jerusalem. It was the central location. Where they would come together. And he said that my house should be a house of prayer. And so if there's every time we need to pray. Is 
as we enter as a nation into some very volatile moments in our history, in our life. And so we want to let you know that every Friday we will be having prayer here in the month of October, starting from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. We will be praying because the word of God tells us that my house should be a house of prayer. That's every Friday in the month of October. We're going to pray and I'm going to be sharing a message with you in that month entitled vote of confidence. Vote of confidence, how to get it right every single time. And so we want you to pray for the month of October. And we want to encourage you to join us, to clear your schedule, and to be here, or either be online and engage. Make it a priority that you're going to say, I'm part of the body of Christ, and I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to pray. And whether you can join us or not, We want you to be in prayer with us, knowing that we need strong, confident leaders. For the month of August, the Lord has put into my heart to share with this body of believers, and for those who are watching online, the importance of confidence. Write this down. Every decision that you make is based on confidence. Every decision. Every single decision that you make is based on confidence and so if you search google which i did and if you go on facebook which i did and if you go on youtube which i did i went to every source possible and what you will find a lot of times is that confidence is defined as a belief in oneself that that typically is the definition of the word confidence and it's not a bad definition We just got to make sure that we understand biblically what that means. And so the biblical definition of confidence, as I have taught from the month of August, is really five meanings. So if you read in the scripture, sometimes you hear these words and they're really reflected in biblical understanding of confidence. You have to understand the Hebrew language is not like the English language. It's so deep. It's so deep that, that words are vital when it comes to the Hebrew language, we, we often say that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. None of the Hebrew words are powerful. Words shape things. Word forms things in your life. It's very important that you understand words. And so, and so when we look at this word confidence, it, it means, and if you go back to what I said earlier that you wrote down or you have in your mind, that every decision is based on confidence, then this will make sense because we make decisions based on security. That's part of what confidence means. It means security. We make decisions then in confidence based on safety. I love the Hebrew language, how it just breaks down confidence because we're going to get to confidence, a belief in yourself. But if you don't recognize confidence from God's perspective, then the enemy has room to maneuver you into an ego as opposed to giving God glory. You see, a strong, confident leader is what we need, is what you need to be. Ready for this? It's who you are. You are a strong, confident leader. There's no way you can raise children in this generation without declaring, I am a strong, confident leader. There's no way you can have a successful marriage without saying that you're a strong, confident leader. There's no way you can make decisions that shift nations 
without believing that you're a strong, confident leader. And some of us in this room and watching online, God has called you to be a strong, confident leader because you are called with your words to shape and shift nations. And so the challenge that you're facing right now is a classroom so that you can graduate from the school of confidence and be able to declare through the platform that God has given you to declare God's word. Because we read Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have to believe that, that he doesn't change. Now, things are changing quickly, daily, weekly things are changing. And if this change has not affected you, you're not living. This change is affecting everybody. And so what we need is we need security and safety. And so that's confidence. The Hebrew also looks at this word confidence and, and they see this word assurance. That, that we need assurance. Not insurance, we need assurance. We need to know that things are going to be okay. We don't need someone just to tell us something, just to, just to feed our flesh. We need someone who's going to tell us something that we can bank on, we can invest in, and we can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's assurance. God knows we need strong, confident leaders in this time of which you and I are inhaling and exhaling oxygen. We need assurance. We need, we need, we need assurance. We need people who know how to go to the throne room of God. We need to have people who have confidence that knows how to look the devil in the face and says, devil, get out of my way. We need strong, confident leaders who can say weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning time. We need confident leaders who can say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'm assured that God is with me and that's who you are you're people who are on a journey and you've been walking through the valley of the shadow of death but you are not fearing any evil no 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 you're getting on the other side and you're going to tell nations i made it through the valley i made it through the dark times of my life because jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forevermore and so I can assure you, I've been through it. Oh, I love, I love connecting with people who can say, I've been through it. I didn't know if I was going to make it, but I've been through it and I came on the other side. And I'm more confident now that I came through it. You can't have a breakthrough without coming through some things. So you need some assurance. We also need courage. Courage, yes, we need courage because courage in the essence of courage is, is, is what you speak. The word courage also means boldly. It, it means that you're speaking with your mouth and we're going to get to it. So when someone is courageous, it's not just their actions, it's their words as well. It is that they are courageous and so therefore they are bold because some things you have to be bold to get breakthrough. You can't just be timid. You can't just be passive. You've got to be courageous. You gotta, you, you gotta send in that resume. Come on. You gotta be courageous. You gotta be able to silence the inner voice that's telling you you're not qualified and send the resume in knowing that God qualifies you. You got to be courageous, courageous to, to get out of the boat. You got to be courageous to, 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 to do what God has called you to do. You got to be courageous to correct. 
Let me pause there. You got to be courageous to correct first yourself and then others. And so you need the courage to be able to look in the mirror and tell the person in the mirror, come on, you're strong, you're confident, you are a leader. See, a courageous person shifts the atmosphere, they do. Because we know from scripture that when the disciples came before the council, they took notice that they'd been with Jesus. And the reason why they knew they were with Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, the reason why they knew that they were been with Jesus wasn't just because of their position in front of them. They were summoned to come in front of them. Ooh. The, the, the courage came from what they were saying. <laughs> and so they even prayed. It says, Lord, we pray that you give us boldness. They were saying, God, give us boldness. They're threatening us, but give us boldness to, to proclaim your word. There it is right there. So you need courage to, to seek that person who you need to ask forgiveness from. That takes courage. Come on. Ooh, this is so good in this Pentecostal church. Come on. Because you need to have the courage to be able to tell folks that i got to leave my gifts at the altar and go make it right. That takes courage. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of confidence to know that God is going to receive what you left at the altar if you go make it right. And, and so also now we need, we need hope. We need hope and, and we need trust. And this is really where it's at is who can we trust? And so who we can trust are strong, confident leaders. The, the question was asked to John Maxwell um, in a leadership training that I went to. And, and the question was asked because when I entered into the room, I was saying to myself, I was battling between my faith in Jesus and getting uh, uh, principles that would kind of challenge my faith. And what I mean by that is I need to be biblical all the time. You, you don't stop being biblical you're biblical all the time. That's what it means, giving your heart to Jesus. There's no take backs. There's no, there's no I give and I take it back, Lord. None of that. You give your heart to Jesus, he's got it. And so if he's the Lord of your life, then everything about you must be connected biblically. It has to be. And so that's why you need to be in a Bible-based fellowship. <laughs> because you can't afford one second to not think biblically. Because the enemy is waiting, the Bible says, like a roaring lion, seeking those he may devour. So he's waiting for that moment, that gap, to be able to jump in and to replace the word of God with lies. And so the question was asked, John Maxwell, why is it that, that, that you use the Bible in all of your leadership principles? And I'm sitting there on in my group, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for asking the question. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, because he knew I needed confidence. I, I paid for the flight. I, I, I paid for the room. I did everything that was required of me to be in this environment, and the enemy showed up. Think about that. I thought I knocked that devil out when I left him in Ohio. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And I'm in a different location, and that devil came and followed me. Right there in the table with 2,000 plus people right there. But God knew, come on. He said, I know what you're thinking, so I'll have somebody else say it for you all. And I said, I know you were a pastor before, but what are you doing now? 
And John Maxwell said, okay, what I want you to do is this. Give me a leadership principle and I'll find it in the Bible. Ooh. I mean, there were various religions that were there. And here he went and said, give me a principle. Give me a leadership principle and I will find it in the word of God for you. Because everything is about Jesus. That's the point I'm making if you're wondering. What's your point? Everything is about Jesus, even leadership. And one of the biggest challenges we have is when we tell people you're a leader, all of a sudden the confidence just leaves them and they deflate. You can't be talking about me. There's no way I'm a leader. And the answer is absolutely you are a leader. You're a leader. And so here he is now. And he's saying the reason why you are is because people need security and safety and assurance and courage and hope and trust. And I want you to display that for my glory. I want you to display that for my glory. So the first thing you have to do then to be a strong, confident leader is whatever issue you're facing, whether it's one or three. I want you to write down those issues because because you've got to recognize that it's not the surface issue that God's after. Come on, anybody can speak to your surface issue. What God wants to go is for those deep things beneath the issue. Come on, that are hiding those secondary issues, those those strongholds is what he's after. And the stronghold typically is a mindset that needs you to be able to break so that you can lead with influence. Are you with me so far? And so I want you to write down what are the issues that you are facing? What are the issues I'm facing right now that perhaps my spouse don't even know about them? My kids don't even know about them. Write them down because you have to understand that that God wants to deal and has dealt with those issues so that, ready for this, you can be the leader that this nation needs, that your family needs, that your children needs, that your workplace needs. Come on, there are people who are saying, can somebody bring me some security and some safety? And God is saying, I've got them there in the church. They're in the church. And so the first point is this then, is now that you've written down those issues, written on those things, here is the first principle of a strong, confident leader. The first thing is this, you have to believe it. You have to believe that you are a strong, confident leader. You have to believe. You have to believe it. Why do I keep saying that? Because some people don't believe. So here's what you need to do is this. Repeat after me. That's the first point. Repeat after me. And so what you have to do is every morning or every afternoon or whenever you feel like the enemy is lying to you and you're losing your confidence, you have to repeat after me. Come on. Look in the mirror and says, repeat after me. Come on, somebody. And you're going to say this. I am a strong leader. Come on. You have to do that because if you don't do that, you give the enemy room, come on, to rob you of who you are. I'm giving you a practical thing to do when you look in the mirror and you're brushing your teeth or you're getting ready, whatever. Remind yourself and look yourself in the mirror. Not the mirror speaks back. Call me because I'll cast whatever that thing is out, right? But but look in the mirror, right? And you want to be able to say, I'm talking to you. Come on, because I can't lead nobody if I can't lead myself. So the first point in being a strong, confident leader is you want to say, repeat after me. I am a strong, 
confident leader. Come on, say it. I am a strong, confident leader. Before your children call your mom, hold on a second. Look in the mirror. It says, I am a strong, confident leader. Come on, your husband needs you. Hold on. I am a strong, confident leader. Woo! Repeat after me. Come on. You got to look in that mirror and realize what you're looking at is a strong, confident leader. And the reason why you can say that is because you are under great leadership. Because in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, he says this, remember your leaders. In Hebrews 13, 7, he says, remember your leader. Those who did what? Who spoke to you the word of God. That is so powerful. Because we all have to be under leadership. We do. In order to be in authority, you have to be under authority. And what he's saying is this. Is that when you look yourself in the mirror, you recognize now I've been under great leadership. And so being under great leadership, you realize what they've spoken to you is the word of God. And then he goes further now. It's not just about their private life. It's also about their public life. This is so good. It's so good. Because we all need to be mentored. We all need to make sure that there's someone that we can look to that has these qualities of someone who is confident. And what we're looking for is Christ in them. But from a practical perspective, when I look in the mirror, I repeat after myself. And I said, listen, listen, remember what they told you. Remember the people who spoke the word of God to you. Now he all says, look at their public life. Consider the outcome of their way of life. And here it is. And imitate their what? Faith. Oh, this is so good. It's so good. And so when you imitate their faith, this is critical. Because here's what a great leader would tell you. They would say this. Number one, faith in God never fails. Faith in God never fails. And the second thing they would tell you is this. Be firm in your faith. That's in the scriptures. If you search the scriptures, you will find that. And so if you want to get a, a, a scripture that, that confirms that is Luke 22. And this came from Jesus. And in Luke 22, 31, 32, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, he calls his name twice. You know, you're in trouble when they call your name twice, right? <laughs> when my mind calls my name. I know I'm in trouble. And so here it is. says, Simon, Simon. And look what it says. Behold, Satan demanded to have you. How rude. How rude. But he says, he demands to have you. Why? Because the things I've spoken over you. Come on. Ooh, good God Almighty. Because the things I spoke over you, I said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And when you get a prophetic word from God, the enemy wants to rob you of that word because he doesn't want that word to strengthen you. Come on. And so what the enemy does now, he goes after you. He can't read your mind, but he can put things in your mind. And so that's why you need the word of God. You need to have the mind of Christ. And so when you have that, you recognize now that faith, not faith in faith, but faith in God will never fail. It'll never fail. Good God Almighty. And it also says, I'm going to be firm in my faith. I'm going to be firm in my faith. So I want to encourage you, strong, confident leader, when you look in the mirror, come on. And you're putting your makeup on or you're, you're doing whatever. I want you to look yourself and just say, I am a strong, confident leader. 
I promise you it'll change everything. I promise you if you do that, it'll change everything. The second thing you do then, okay, is now I looked in the mirror and I repeat after myself and I said, I'm a strong, confident leader. Here's what you have to do now. You have to keep your confidence. You got to keep it. You got to keep it. And so in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, you may think I'm going backwards, but that's okay. They're teaching this. But in Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6, this is what he says. He says, keep your life free from the love of money. The original Greek, when you understand that, it says, let your conversation or your communication be free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said... And now the writer of Hebrew, he gives them a principle. He said, I want you to keep your confidence. And he goes back to the Old Testament. You cannot, hear me now, unhinge from the Old Testament. Jesus can't be the same yesterday, today, and forevermore if you're going to unhinge from the Old Testament. You've got to look to the Old Testament to understand that Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament, not to destroy it. And so the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. It's so good. And what he's saying is that, is that let your conversation or let your character be free from the love of money. I'm glad he put the word love of money in there. He didn't say keep free from money. He says the love of money. And then he says be content with what you have. Now in the context you have to understand what they're saying. They were taking the people's possession that was attached to the finance with it. So they were robbing them of their stuff. They were taking stuff from them. And they were saying, what are you going to do now? We're taking your stuff. And so the writer of Hebrew is saying, now, keep your confidence. They can have that. They can have that. They can have that. But you're not going to get the inner conviction in my life. There is no way. I'm going to keep my confidence. I'm going to keep my confidence. And so he's saying, listen, listen, be content what you have for it says, I will never, here's the promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, where would they have gotten this from? When, if you were the original audience looking at this, you would have to then go back to Joshua. You would have to go back and says, what is the point of reference that he's talking about? Because I don't see that I'm strong, but the writer of Hebrew is saying you are strong. I'm going to give you an example of someone who had to be strong. And when you go back and you see the person who had to be strong, I want you to see the God who was in him, who made him strong. He says, keep your confidence. Keep your confidence. And he goes on in verse 6, so we can confidently say, watch that, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can, what, excuse me, I will not fear what can man do to me. That's so powerful. I love it. I love it. And so what he's teaching here is this, is two things, ready? He says, do not throw away your confidence. That was Hebrews chapter 10. And throughout the whole book, he's saying, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your security, your assurance. Don't do that. Things are going to get rough. Come on, things are rough. Things may get worse. Come on, somebody. But what he's saying is that there needs to be a group of people, a community of believers, that when everybody else is shaking, everybody else is falling apart, and everybody else is losing their mind, there's a group of people who are saying, I can study this because God is my confidence. Come on. And I'm not going to throw it away away. I'm not going to throw it away. Praise God. If you look at the story of Jonah, 
And when the storm came, they were throwing everything overboard. They were throwing the things that they needed to try to calm the storm. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to come into your life. He wants to come into this nation. He wants to come into this world and create chaos and havoc. So we throw away the things we need to make it to where God has called us to go. Are you hearing me, anybody? Keep your confidence. You can get rid of money, but keep your confidence. You can get rid of friends, but keep your confidence. You can get rid of so many things, but keep your confidence. Don't throw it away. And number two, don't allow the enemy to take away your confidence. Don't allow the enemy to take away your confidence. Don't do it. And so he says, be content. He didn't say be complacent. <laughs> Major difference. That, that, that if you're complacent, you're not having any influence. And so it says, be content to know that you can take away natural things, but you can't take away the source of all things. Come on. There are people who made investments, lost their money, but had enough faith to come back again. And now they're multi-millionaires. Come on. The Bible says that the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied. Come on. Pharaoh was trying to wipe out a nation, but the more Pharaoh inflicted them, the more they multiplied. Come on, somebody. You've got to know how strong you are, that the devil can bring his best shot. But you're going to say, I am going to continue to multiply. Why? Because I'm going to keep my confidence. Don't throw it away by lowering your standards. Don't throw it away by running with the wrong crowd. Don't throw it away by being discouraged. No, hold on to your confidence and don't, please, for God's sake, allow the enemy to take it away from you. Don't allow him to take it away from you. Keep your confidence. Keep your confidence. So the first one, repeat after me. Ready? Repeat after me. Faith in God will never fail. I'll be firm in my faith. And now I'm going to keep my confidence. I'm not going to throw it away. Oh, no. And I'm not going to let the devil to take it away as well. See, what happens is when this happens, you lose your leadership influence. And people can't trust you anymore now. And my God, if they can't trust the church. If we can't trust the church. And I'm here to tell you, my God, forgive us, Lord. But the church has caused some dangerous wounds in people. Come on. They have left the church. They're wounded because they came to a place that was supposed to be security and safety. A place of assurance. A place of hope. A place of trust. And they couldn't because somebody threw away their confidence. Allowed their ego to raise up. And they caused them to walk away. Keep your confidence because people are looking for people. Who have this confidence, the church, the church. I told this story before and I'll tell you again, it's worth repeating. The moment I walked into church, I was more confused than when I was in the world. If it wasn't for God, I would have thrown away my confidence. I would have thrown away my confidence. I would have thrown away my confidence and so the reason why God has me leading this church and the reason why great pastors all over this nation is leading the church is because they're keeping their confidence my goodness since March hit there has not been a moment I can breathe my God it's been a consistent onslaught and I'm here to tell you 
that the church must be the place that people can anchor their hope in. We must keep our confidence. Clap your hands. That's a good place to clap your hands right there. We're not going to throw it away. We'll be patient with who we need to be patient with. We will weep with those we need to weep with. Come on. We will engage with those we need to engage with. We will never follow the ways of the world. Come on. We understand that if one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. Come on, somebody. And we're going to navigate that with you. Why? Because we don't want you to lose your confidence as well. And that's what we need. We're going to grieve with you. We're also going to help you. We're going to respect you. But we will never compromise because you don't have to compromise to have your conviction. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You do not have to lose your conviction to have compassion. That's a lie from the pit of hell. When you keep your confidence, you can pull compassion with one hand and pull conviction with the other hand. Come on. And you can say, devil, I'm not going to throw away compassion. I'm not going to throw away conviction. I can stand right here because I'm looking in the mirror and I'm going to say, you are a strong, confident leader. So the reason why people have lost trust in the church is because we threw it away. We threw away compassion. We threw away conviction. And now people have no idea what to expect. So what happens, my last point is this. What happens when you keep your confidence? Something's supposed to happen when you keep your confidence. Number one, your issues that you're facing, they come to surface now. The deep issues, they now come to the surface so you can deal with them. You can deal with them. And, and so what happens is this, is, is that you recognize now that when they come to the surface now, I have to now speak. I, I have to say something. I actually have to say something. I can't stay silent. It's not about personality. It's about being prophetic. God, in Genesis chapter 1, made the statement, and God said... So he was confident in what he said. Oh. oh, that's so cool. He was confident with what he said because he knew his character. He knew who he is. And ready for this? He doesn't need anybody. I, I want us to just think about it for a second. God doesn't need anybody to be God. So when he says, and God said, it's in essence who he is. That is so cool. That's why he says when he gave the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods beside you. He's saying, don't limit who you are by having another God who needs worship. Come on. He says, whether you worship me or not, I'm still God. Whether you come or not, I'm still God. It is I who invite you to come be with me. Other God says, come on, I need you to make me be who I am. God says, I am who I am without anybody else. My God, that's the place to give God praise and glory. He told Moses, I am. Finish it, God. I can't. I am that I am. So the I am. Said to Moses, this is who you are. You're strong, Moses. You're confident and you're a leader. I need you to go free a nation, Moses. But you can't go there throwing away your confidence. Because you will lose compassion and strike the rock when I tell you to speak to it. 
And so because of that, when God says, speak to it now, he struck it because he's throwing away his confidence. And that decision, as I said earlier, thank you, Holy Ghost. Every decision we make is based on confidence. And Moses made that decision based on confidence in himself. You bunch of rebellious people. I can't believe I brought you out. You want water? Boom. And water still came out because of God's consistency. But Moses... Moses, at that moment, you realize you're not going to go into the promised land. So I'm here to tell you now, use your words. Come on. Use your words in these last days. And so if you want to know how you are going to keep your confidence and how you're not going to let the enemy take it away from you, here's the three things you need to do. Write these things down. This is a sure way to recognize and to come to this understanding that, yes, I am a strong leader. You see, if we look again back at Hebrews 13, verse 5, the first thing is this. You have to say this. Ready? Ready? Write this down. God is with me. Not God is here. God is with me. Because if you think that God is only here, when you leave, you think God stayed here. But God is with me. So I keep my confidence in the midst of the storm. I keep my confidence in trying to homeschool and trying to understand this computer thing. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. So God, you got to be with me because I'm about to knock this camp. Come on. God, you got to be with me. You better be glad that God is with me. Come on, somebody, right? We're about to strike some folks because you thought God was over there. God says, no, I'm with you right now. You better put that hand down. Unless you're going to give me a hand, put it down. I'm confident God is with me. Why I don't mess with you? Come on. Ah. Come on, somebody. That's so good. Come on. Some of you, your salvation depends on that one right there. That alone has caused you to be. Thank you, Jesus, that God is with me. That God is with me. So he tells Joshua in Joshua chapter number one, he says, you're going to take on the leadership of Moses. What? Yeah. You want me to take these people into the promised land? Yeah. God wants you, wants you, wants you to take whatever he's given you into the promised land. That could be your employment. That could be your children. That could be your baby. Come on, come on. You have to have confidence because in the promised land is where God has promises for you. The promised land. If you are people of promise, then you have a promised land. I'm taking you in there. I'm taking you into, into the promised land. And so you have to say, God is with me. Because why am I falling? Because God is with me. And so we told Joshua, he says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now, why Joshua? Because Joshua was there the first time the 12 went in and they didn't obey God. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. The giants didn't see them as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. So when they looked in the mirror, when they repeated after themselves, they said, we are grasshoppers in their sight. The giants didn't say that. If you, if you read Genesis again, or in Exodus, when Pharaoh is, is, is inflicting the people, here's what Pharaoh said. He said, the people are mightier than we are. And if they ever know that, oh, if they ever know that, 
when war breaks out, they may go and choose the enemy instead of us. So let's go ahead and afflict. And if the enemy is afflicting you, he knows that you're stronger than him. Come on. But he doesn't want you to know that. And so he wants you to be under the weight of that lie so you can rise up as a leader. Says, devil, get out of my way. And so he says, Joshua, you got to be strong, buddy. You got to have a spine. You got to be strong. You got to be strong. You got to be strong. And so, and so God is with me. Let me hurry. God is with me. God is with me. The second thing is God is my help. So not only is God with me, he's actually my help. And that's Hebrews 13 verse 6. So we can say confidently, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Such confidence. So not only is God with me, he's not some tag along. Like he's not, hey, I call shotgun. He's with me to help me and strengthen by communicating directions to me. God, how do I handle the situation? He gives me the direction. He gives me what I need to do in, 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 order to, in, in order to achieve that which he's promised. So God is with me, but God is my help. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. See, in Psalms 56, verse 4, it says, In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. Isn't that interesting? That's on our money, right? In God I trust. And so they're saying now, listen, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid what can flesh do to me. That's Psalms 56, verse 4. Again, what they're saying is this, God is with me, but God is also my help. I'm here to tell somebody, ask God for help. Ask him for help. He says, we now have confidence to go into the throne of grace to obtain what? Help in the time of need. Ask God for help. I'm frustrated. Ask God for help. I'm single. Ask God for help. I'm married. Ask God for help. I got kids. Ask God for help. There's not one issue you wrote down if you did that, that God can't help you with. And if there's an issue you have that God can't help you with, that's an ego. That's you having pride. And think there's something that God can't heal, something God can't touch, something that God can't help you with. No, God is your help. God is my help. And finally, here it is. God is on my side. It's so good. It's so good. God is on my side. This question was asked to Abraham Lincoln, and the question was asked, And they said, Mr. President, speak to this. During a time of trial in which the nation is engaged, they asked him a question. He says, what do you have to say about this? Abraham Lincoln said this. Um, He says, God, um, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My great concern is to be on God's side. For God is always right. For God is always right. Any leader who opens up the Bible and has the confidence that God is with them, God is their help, and God is on their side, that's great, great leadership that you want to be a part of. Because that person is going to shift nations, and that person can line you up to your destiny. So the destiny of a nation, we can conclude then, is really based on the leadership of which we follow. And so the church really is the author of relationship 
It's called making disciples of all nations. That's what Jesus told us to do. Make disciples of all nations. And if we do that, we will see that there are strong, confident leaders who will say this. It's not about my righteousness. It's about the righteousness of God. Because God is always right. Come on. Somebody say that. God is always right. How about this? God is always right. What about this? God is always right. What about this? God is always right. And when you have confidence, you can say, because I said so. That is so good. Because I said so. Only God can make that statement. Because I said so. And that's why, that's why, my brothers and sisters, you need to always look in the mirror and see the reflection of Christ. And says, God, help me to be a strong, confident leader. See? Finances will fail you. Family, unfortunately, will fail you. Friends will fail you. Your flesh will fail you. But God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, will never forsake you and will never leave you. He is here right now. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. It's just you and me, Lord. Holy Spirit, help me, please, in this moment right now. You gave me this word all week. I've been going back and forth and preparing a message, and then I will just sense that's not it. Preparing a message, that's not it. And thank you for what you taught me this week, God, that you're always right. You knew exactly the songs you gave Richie. You know the order of which they were to be sung. You knew exactly what was going on. And so, Father, you are teaching me to teach your people to have confidence. It is rough now, but those with confidence will make it to the other side. Mm, That's for somebody right there. My God. So it's just you and me, Lord. I want us as we as we just 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 for a minute before I release you. I, I want I want I want to encourage you that on Wednesday I'm actually gonna share because it's the last day in the month of September. I'm gonna share with you what does it look like to actually free a nation. How strong, confident leaders can free a nation. And as a nation, we need to be freed from the clutches of the enemy. We all can agree on that. Come on. We all can agree on that. As the church. Now the world may not agree, but the church can agree. There are issues that are passionate to you. That are deep in the fabric of your psyche. That are absolutely critical to you. And you're making your voice known. You're making your voice heard. I get it. It's my responsibility as a pastor to faithfully lead you. To know the condition of the flock that God has entrusted me with. I hear you. And my answer to you is this. Look in the mirror. And say with confidence. God is always 
right. And when you can do that, you will find within you the confidence that you need to be able to make decisions based on biblical confidence. Because God has called you, yes, he's called you to shift and to free a nation. Are you hearing me, somebody? Are you hearing me? He's called you to shift a nation. Pastor Rowe, I don't think so. I'm here to tell you God is always right. He's called you to shift a nation. He's called you to shift a nation. He's called you to shift a nation. And this nation, my God, needs God. To be right. And so we need to reproduce leaders of the church who we can launch out into the community, who can redeem what's out there because they can say, I have confidence to know that God is with me. God is my help. And God is on my side. If that's you right where you're seated. I want you to make a commitment right now. Commit to that you will be a confident leader. And and, and also own this, that God's called me to free a nation. Now, it may start right where you are with your children, with your spouse, or at your job. But think bigger, because once you do that, God wants to take you to greater heights and greater depths. And you don't have to necessarily leave, because we have cameras now. We have platforms that can make your message be heard. And so, therefore, it is vital that I tell myself every day that I'm a strong, confident leader. Yes, I am. If you believe that I'm talking to a strong, confident confident leader. If you believe that, I want you just for five seconds to open up your mouth or right where you are, make some movement to declare, yes, that's me, Pastor O. That's me. I get it now. I get it. God has called me. God has called me. God is with me. Come on. God is my help. God is on my side. I am strong. I am confident. I'm a leader. Silence the noise of the enemy. Silence the noise of the enemy. This nation will get it right. This nation will serve God because as long as I got breath inside of me, I'm going to speak very clearly. God is always right. God is always right. Mom, dad, God is always right. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. We thank you that it's just you and me.